Welcome to Detroit Table Talk. Today we have a special guest, my sister, my co-host on another podcast, Miss Keisha Carr. Thanks for having me, Miss <laughs> Carmen. Today we're going to be talking credit and compensation. But before we start that, Keisha, how your week been? Busy. I, I know you booked and busy. Busy, 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 busy. <laughs> it's definitely uh, busy. I, just, I can't even think of nothing else. Always taking on something new. But I, I've only got a little taste of the things that you have invited me to, and I'm, I am amazed. Today I was watching you, and I said, look at her go. I mean, I've only been to a couple of things, and I'm like, man, I'm tired. But you go from event to event. I mean, you stay booked and busy, and you do it with such grace. It's definitely, you know? definitely a blessing. Like it seems like every time I go out, I get booked for something else. So yeah. it works out for my good. <laughs> it, it like today, to be in a, a realm of some political powerhouses and lawmakers. I, I was I'm be honest I was in awe like the one the judge what was her Deborah Deborah Thomas. Thomas to know that she was the judge that enacted expungement off of your record was like I'm I'm looking at somebody's part of history you know yeah I'm I'm I was so excited um, as well um, and she's such a um, she is such an encouragement you know um, to everybody. Um, me sitting, you know, me standing next to her, you know, and she just started like whispering in my ear. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. You know, she was just saying little things that had me cracking up. I was like, this is a powerhouse. Listen. So I, I talked to her and I said, do you have a card? <laughs> and she said, I sure do. She said, let me get you one. So she gave me her card and I told her some things that I was working on. And I said, I may need your help. And she gave me her card. I didn't even know that was a state attorney general. I mean, I'm standing next to her before I started speaking at first. And I didn't know she was, a, I just seen her jacket, but I'm like, I didn't know she was a state attorney general, mm -hmm. like Coleman A. Young, Jr. in there. It was just the the, the multitude of women. It was just like. I had to fuss at um, Mr. Coleman <laughs> A. Young. But it was, he came it, and stood behind me. And I'm like, who all on my butt like that? <laughs> I mean, he didn't mean it. It was his stomach. But I'm like, who on my butt like that? I turned around and they mentioned his name. and He just waving. So yep. I told him, I said, I'm still waiting for you to return my email. Well, we're going to this party on the 20th. Okay. Lock it in. Look, lock it in. We're That's going I to told party. him, I said, now give me your number. I said, because I'm calling you in the morning so you can return my email. He just started laughing. He gave me a hug and a kiss. He told me, so I will. I said, okay, I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah, it was just, it, I it's loved it. It was, Tashana is phenomenal. I, I love her spirit. She is so real. I love and her And she spirit. definitely opens doors without thinking twice like the people i met they want this like on a political level where they want me to come in and do stuff with their organizations i was like look at the doors like I, look at but you know what i love stuff like that because of the career that i'm in you know with the criminal justice degree that i have and then where i'm trying to um change the course of my career but with my business that i'm still working on trying to get everything in order, that's still going to be connected to the criminal justice um, field. So everything the attorney general was saying today, that's something I have, but it's for Michigan and it's for the children. 
So, you know, my eyes just got big, you know, and I told, you know, Judge Deborah, I said, that's what I'm working on. And she just smiled and gave me a little, you know, rub on my back, like, you got it. So. It's, and it's just like, it was so encouraging. Mm-hmm. So, But I, what I want to do is I really, really just want to thank you, you know what I'm saying, for the doors that you have allowed me to walk in through you. You know, I really appreciate you know, the shoulders that I have had the opportunity to, you know, rub against. You know, a lot of people, when they are in position, they don't think about helping somebody next to them or bringing them along. You know what I'm saying? So it's a blessing to have somebody that will say, hey, I got this event, come with me. You know what I'm saying? Because otherwise you may or may not be in those rooms again. Yeah, it was so amazing it was one lady that was there she said she was 66 and it was after i spoke about the credit stuff and she's like she started crying talking to me wow. and it was trying i was trying not to cry because i'm a crier and emotional sometimes and it was just like she's like the fact that you want to share your knowledge and give it to people and it's so many people who have it they don't even want to retain it for themselves and i'm like no it's a blessing and being a blessing like what was her name? Tanisha? Tanisha? The the organizer? Yeah. Tashana. Tashana. Her name is Tashana Gill. On Facebook, she's Tashana the political princess. She's like everything politics. So I agree with Tashana, what she said at the end. You got to start charging for your knowledge. You know, it's a blessing to give it away, but we have to invest in ourselves. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes it's not, You you may not have a lot, but people appreciate if you, you know what I'm saying, if you offer something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So people would appreciate it more when they, you know what I'm saying, invest and they paying for something. So no, it's true. Your word. No, I mean, I don't, I do, let me phrase that. I do stuff for free, but I do get that bag. Yeah. Don't get, like, yeah. Don't get it twisted. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's definitely some paid stuff. So, so I mean, sometimes you just got to do stuff for free. I ain't going to say you got to. But no, me, that's it's part just of about, giving back. Yeah, you know it's part of a blessing. It's being a being a blessing. But at the same time, normally when I do something for free, my bag is tripled over mm-hmm. from those events with businesses gonna pay me money. And just sometimes you just want to bless people. Most of the time, people just give me a donation anyway. Even if I don't say I'm charging, they they give me something. That's what's up. Shout out to Super Majority for that bottle of wine they gave yes. everybody. I was like, oh, they're giving out drinks and everything. You know, you know what? I'm gonna clean out my refrigerator because I got so many bottles of wine. And I think tonight for dinner I'm going to open up that wine. One of the um, the politicians was telling me, I've never been to an event where they give me um, wine. I said, well, we're going to open it up tonight, huh? She told me something. <laughs> the judge tell you, I wish I had a known. I just stopped at the store and got me some wine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, women who wine, but I'm a woman. I'm tequila. Tequila me, please. Tequila. I'm a tequila girl. Yeah. I'm, I'm I don't a, even know what that is. I mean, I've heard it. I don't know what it is. It, it's liquor. Just. I'll be laid out somewhere. Just never mind, Miss Carmen. <laughs> you don't know what it is. So if you don't know by now, you don't need to know. I don't know. That what ain't that your is. lane. Yeah. That, ain't, that ain't your lane. Uh. So, um, let's jump into the conversation about credit and conversation. Okay. Who was your audience geared toward? My audience is geared to anyone who's not knowledgeable about credit. Okay. Um, my passion right now um, is young people. Okay. 
because young people become older people who have bad credit. But if we teach them credit at an early age, they create good credit habits, they have the knowledge, so they don't make those mistakes. So um, I like to start them young. Like my daughter has read my book. I made the book as simple as possible. Okay. Um, The great thing about it is adults love it and learn from it. But I made it as simple with color illustrations. Um, Let me show you the book. Look, This is my book, Credit and Conversation, Everything High School Students Need to Know About Credit. Uh, And where can they find that book? You can find this book on Amazon, and it's on Amazon Prime, or you can contact me directly on Credit and Conversation across all social media platforms, or Keisha Carr on Facebook uh, and Instagram, and I normally have a box in my car, so. That's what's up. I'm always with my book, but if not, you can order it. Well, I want to buy one before you leave today. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've um, I've been on a journey for maybe about mm, close to a year now mm-hmm. to making sure that my credit is what it's supposed to be or it should be, and I think I'm doing very well now, um, with the exception of my student loans. That's everything else. Yeah. Um, all my credit cards is at zero. You know, I'm at zero down, but student loans. Yeah. Student loans is the devil for most people. And that's yeah. another reason why I, I like to start with young people, because most of the time we come out of college, we in debt because we mm-hmm. take out student loans. But then on top of that, you have student loans and credit card debt. And some now a lot of jobs are looking at credit. That is and, so true. And then it, once you get out of college or wherever you go at 18, um, you have to have a place. You have to get a place. They're going to run your credit. How important is credit? I, I don't think people, and let me rephrase that. For the most part, I don't think African-Americans know how important credit is. I mean, like, credit is like a social security number now. You know, I'm, I'm not even going to say African-American. People in general. I've dealt with all races, nationalities. It's, it's, we're probably more uh, knowledgeable than most, believe it or not. But um, I I say credit is key. I say cash is king, but credit is everything. Because it's some places that you can go try to rent, and then you can say, hey, I have, you know, all of the money for the lease. Okay. But you have bad credit. And sometimes landlords look at that as you're not disciplined. Yep. And it says a lot about your character. And they'll be like, no, we don't want the money. You're not a reliable renter. Even though you're paying them up front, it shows your discipline your structure, you know, um, your on-time payment history. Even if you don't, they don't want to look at your credit. I mean, take the money. It just sometimes it just shows a character trait in you. So and if you were talking to somebody like, I mean, I've brought some books when I was taking um, the LSAT and when I decided to go um, get my doctoral program, they have all these books called like um, LSAT for Dummies or, you know, when I was, you know, really studying the Bible and stuff like that, I got the Bible for dummies. <laughs> if you're sitting and you're talking to someone not being condescending or, you know, I'm just throwing a word out there. If you were talking to somebody that was just a dummy when it came to credit, what is some of the first things that you would say to them? If I said, Keisha, I don't know nothing about credit. I don't know nothing that you're talking about. How would you break it down in its simplicity um, of what or how I should begin to look at my credit? Well, 
I first start off with telling them how to pull a credit report because some people don't even know how to obtain it. They mm-hmm. don't know that you can go to annualcreditreport.com and get one for free. Once uh, a year. Once a year. Um, Experian.com. I, everybody live. TransUnion. Equifax, Equifax. But a lot of people really go to Credit Karma. And I, and I say this in the most humblest way. Mm-hmm. Credit Karma is not accurate. It's not. They use a Vantage score and not a FICO score. That's correct. So um, the only thing is Credit Karma is good good for is notifying you anytime there's a change. If it's your address, a cable bill, a light bill, mm-hmm. any small change in your credit report, Credit Karma will notify you. And it's good that somebody's doing fraud. That's, it's a great thing to do, use it for. Um, so my first thing is making sure they know how to pull their credit report. Okay. And then making sure they know what the scale and the max score is for your credit report. Because most people don't even know that 850, what, what's the okay. score. And then I break down the five components of a credit score. Okay. Which is on-time payments. All right. Your utilization. And people, this is the one that people always have a concern with. But it's probably, to me, the most important part of your credit score is utilization because it's the quickest way to bring your score up or down within 30 days. And okay, that's what do you mean by that? So credit utilization is the a total amount of credit you have, which is credit cards. Mm-hmm. Any credit you have, you can have 5, 10, 15 credit cards. Whatever that total is, and let's just say it's 10000 for all your credit cards. If you have $10,000 worth of credit cards and you're using 8000 of it, which you're pretty much maxing it out, you're going to get the lowest amount of points possible in that category because that category is 30% of your score of the 850. Okay. So it's about 168 points. So say you're maxing your score out. I mean, maxing your card out. This just say you maxed it out, period, from the 10000 and now your credit cards are maxed out. They're, at zero, they're overdrawn. You get you lose automatically lose 168 points because you use all of your utilization. The easiest way to do it back is to pay them down to zero. But I'm gonna share a credit tip. Oh, okay, before you share that credit tip, uh, two questions. One, when you're talking about a credit card, what is the percentage of of what you should leave open on your credit card? So a lot of people say 30 percent. I say 10. Mm-hmm. 10 is that way you're getting the maximum amount of points in this category. And this goes to my credit tip. So a lot of people say, oh, my score hasn't changed. I pay my payment on time. On time payments is 35% of your score. But let's say your statement date, which is the date that the credit card reports your, your, reports your, um, your utilization to the bureaus is before your due date. So like say my due date is the 19th. Okay. And my my statement date is the 12th. Most people aren't going to pay until right before the 19th okay. or on the 19th. So by that time on the 12th, if you haven't paid it, that high utilization is still reporting. So prime yeah, example. Like I, I literally just found that out maybe like, I don't know, maybe like a year and a half ago. Because I'm like, I pay my credit card bill, but my score, score wasn't changing. And I read something, um, I think, that Susie Oman said, you know, about if your credit card um, statement is on a certain day and they report on a certain day, you need to pay it before they that report. Day. So that's what I do. I like, so that's what? my that's my, my credit tip. Like, everything I tell people, I've tried on myself. Mm-hmm. So, again, say my credit card is due on the 19th, but my utilization date is the 12th. Okay. I pay before the 12th. Okay. 
because if, one, if it's only just a week or a few days, if I have it to pay off, I'll pay it to zero. Oh, no, yes, I do pay it to zero. But I do mine every week. Okay. And I that's, I go back to my next credit tip, too. What do you mean you do it every week? You pay every week? Yeah, and I'm going to tell you why I do that. So um, I'll pay it before my statement date, before they report to the credit bureau. So if I, re like, say they report on the 12th because my statement date is the 12th, I'll, I'll take it down to zero. I'll wait to after my due date, and I might max my car back out. By the time it's my statement date come again, I'm back at zero. Okay. So I'm getting 168 points on my score. Wait a minute. Say that one more time because I want to make sure I'm processing that. So I pay my bill not on my due date. Okay. I pay it before my statement date. Okay. All of my statement dates are before my due date. Okay. In my case. So I'll pay it and be at zero by the time they report. Okay. And then if I want to run it back up, I can Right after they reported. Right after they reported, <laughs> I run it back up. So back to um, me saying I do it every week. I'm going to tell you why I do this. What debit cards you don't give cash advances? Not most. Or they're not from a real reliable bank. I believe it's Chime may do it or something. I don't know. I'm not I, don't know. I think my... my um most debit cards. My capital. Oh, debit card. Most most debit cards do not give you any cash reward. Yeah. So, I'm thinking credit card. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I do. I pay for every single thing primarily with my credit card because I'm going to use their money for their cash rewards, their miles, free baggage on the plane, whatever perks they're giving. I use that money. I use my cards to pay everything, and then I'll go back and pay it with a debit card that at the end of the week. So, wait a minute, but, okay, let me say this. You're more disciplined. Would you tell somebody else to do that because, you know, they start using those credit cards and they have the money, but before it, they get to the date that they have to pay it off, they don't have the money anymore. So that's I do it every week. So I mean, and like you said, it's discipline. But I, I feel like for me, and I suggest it to other, other people, if you're going to use your debit card anyway, you're not getting anything from it. Okay. Use your credit card and then just pay it off with your debit card because you was going to use it anyway. Using my credit card, I'd be but, like, I'm not but touching that thing. And I'm gonna tell you, especially with Capital One, I use Capital One a lot too, and I pay off. I literally, you know how when you use your Capital One, if you use the app, it says you have this amount of more cash rewards. So I use my cash rewards, and I I literally pay them with their money. Okay. I cash it out and put it towards my bill. I literally pay them every credit card I got that has cash rewards. I use their money to pay them. Now, we know the three top, or we think, I don't know. Let me ask the question. So we know the three credit um, bureaus. Mm -hmm. I'm being told that there are other credit bureaus that is not highlighted. It, I have never heard of any, but those are the ones that FICO go with. Those okay. are the ones that make are using any lending decision. Um, Experian, pretty much Equifax and TransUnion. You go buy a car, and this is another. So why are those three not connected? Because my Equifax is something totally different than what. There's three separate entities, and some. And you know what? You might say say you got a credit card with Capital One. Mm -hmm. Capital One might not report your stuff to only okay. to Equifax. They may only just report to Experian and TransUnion. So it's up to the lender as well. Okay. But um, what were we saying? Because I forgot my train of thought about the next thing. Because I had another tip. Before you interrupt me, I, I had a tip. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I tell people all the time, go to Experian.com and do Experian Boost. So, say you pay your debt, use your debit card, and you pay your cell phone, Netflix. Experian Boost is the easiest way to boost your credit up. But another credit tip I'll give: a lot of people go car shopping. 
everybody goes car shopping. The first thing I suggest when you go to get a car is to ask them what credit bureau do they be pulled from. So, okay. for example, um, if LaFontaine, I'm just hypothetically, this is just what I know. If LaFontaine says we pull from Experian and I know my experience score is low, I'm not going to them. To Don't go to them. Okay. It, and that's because that's again because you need to pull your credit score before you go to them, so they won't think you're naive because selling cars is is a game for them too. They're going now. To do the soft pull do uh, do the soft pull show up on your credit or just the hard? The the soft pull will show up on your credit, but it doesn't affect this your credit. score. Only hard okay. increases affect your score, and that's one of the factors in your FICO score. So it's on time payments, which is thirty five percent. Utilization, which is 30% of your score, uh, hard inquiries um, or new inquiries is part of it. Having a good balance of credit is 15% of it. Um, and most people don't understand a good balance is not just having a bunch of credit cards. You have to have a credit card. You have to have either credit cards, your rent, your mortgage, um, student loans can be included, uh, but it has to be a balance of at least three different types of loan, okay. three different types of cre revolving credit. And that's 15% of your score just by having three different types. Let me tell you this quick story. Uh, so I was a Sunday school teacher, and I thought that teaching the um, high schoolers, because I used to um, teach Sunday school for high school students. So, um, of course, the kids like, we hate these Sunday school books. They're boring. So I was like, I'm with you. I'm bored, too, just <laughs> teaching it to you. So what we decided to do was um, I let the kids write different things they wanted to talk about. You know, in Sunday school, we put it in a hat. And before the next Sunday, each student get a time to pull something. Well, I put in there um, finances. So when, Sunday school, Miss Carmen. For Sunday school. <laughs> so when I pulled finances out, I linked it to... You know, something that, you know, connected to the Bible, which was stewardship. So I was teaching the young people about stewardship. So what I went, what I did is before that Sunday, I went to the bank and I got a whole lot of those little books, you know, when you do a checking account or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I got like two hundred dollars um, and fives. So I gave all the kids in my Sunday school a book, you know, a savings account book and a five dollar bill and as we were talking about being a good steward and what god expected you know out of us being a good steward or whatever um I, they their assignment was their homework assignment was mom or dad had to take you to the bank they had to open up your you know account a savings account and you had to bring the receipt back to me you know showing that you you know um opened it opened up the account all the students did it now this one student came in and she was like Sister Carmen, do you mind giving me another $5? Because my mama said she needed that for gas money. I was like, <laughs> I was like, she what? She <laughs> the poor baby say, mama asked, could she use my uh, $5 for gas money? I was like, okay, shh, don't say that loud. I said, I'll give you $5 after, you know. She told me, then can you come get me and take me so mama won't take this five? I laughed so hard, but I wanted the children to understand what it was to you know learn about savings and stuff like that i don't you know with my children they were in all kind of programs you know for people who don't know most credit unions have these classes for young people 
they can go to, they teach them about savings accounts, checkings account, credit, and stuff like that. And they get them on their way so that, like you say, when they get to a certain age, they're not messing up their names. Well, you know what? See, my daughter is 10. And I got her uh, um, a custodial account. One of my accounts is with Navy Federal Credit Union. So she has her own card, like her own debit card to use. And literally, just her having her own debit card and she can see her account in the bank, it made her feel grown, first off. Did you you do just a certain amount that she can have on a card where she can I I save a percentage. Like, I know what I would do, what I do is save a percentage every time I get paid. She gets money. Okay. So... But she, it made her think more responsible because now when I take her shopping or she wants something, she, I say to her, well, go in your bank account. Then she realized she don't want it as much as she thought she did. Okay. Because it's her, you know, it's her money. Yeah, but then we went to Disney World and she was like, Mama, I saved the $500. I'm going to just spend it at Disney World. And it just was, she probably was like six or seven. But she, she saves, like she wants to get some gaming system. She saves for it. Okay. And like I told her, I'll match whatever she says. Yeah. And this is like separate from That's her account. That's what my account. mom used to do. It's separate from her account. She got like a little piggy bank and stuff like that. She stashed her money. <laughs> she stashed her money. But it just makes them more responsible when they realize it's coming from their money. And the earlier you're teaching, the more responsible they'll come. That's what I was about to say. So at what age should a parent, well, oh my God, daughter was five. It, it's so hard to even say that. What age should you teach a child about credit? Because so many grown people credit is jacked up and they don't really understand the importance of money credit you know savings and all that stuff but in a good scenario i'm gonna say this and i was surprised so um someone bought their their 12 year old nephew my book at 12 and he had questions he wrote stuff down he took notes and then he started going into stock like he he became financially aware wow. and i was like and he really understood it at 12. so at 10 i gave the book to my daughter i'm like if he got it at 12 maybe she can get it at 10. and she reads it but she i mean she's always been around me like i'll be doing credit and conversation five years next year so i've always engaged her and she okay. listens okay so um honestly i thought it would be high school but these kids are getting into middle school now and then you can make your child, depending on the credit card company, some credit card companies are letting you go as low as 14 to add a child as an authorized user. Some are 16, but that's probably the best gift you can get your kid get, graduate from high school is if you have good credit. If you have good credit, mm-hmm. not mediocre, not I'm paying late, but if you have good credit, the best thing you can do is put your child on as an authorized user. You don't have to give them a card. That's exactly, they don't even yeah. have to know they have the card. That's correct. They don't need to have nothing, nothing about it. Yeah, well, my sons, um, some years ago, my older son was saying, Mom, you know, I'm trying to get my credit right and this and that. Him and his, you know, girlfriend, we want to buy a house. Can you put me in, you know, and her on, my, on your credit card? I'm like, I can put you on my credit card. <laughs> my credit card. You know, but I did it. You did it for her, too? Yeah. Oh. And I just realized because, you know, my expiration nice. date, you know, was coming up. So they sent me new cars, and I just realized, oh, I still got this girl on my, you know. But they don't get the cards. When they come in, I cut them up. Yeah. Um, so they can still build their credit and stuff like that. That was nice of you. And he's still with her? Yeah. 
Okay, well then he's still wetter than it's cool. <laughs> but if he wasn't, I was about to be like, Miss Carmen, if you don't cut that girl off your cart. <laughs> yeah, he's still. I have a um a young a girlfriend. Um, she's a Muslim, mm-hmm. and she, you know, we used to talk about money and stuff like that. And she told me that in their culture, their um, what happens is their father handles all of credit and finances and stuff like that. So when they get paid, their money goes into a particular account. She said ever since she's been about like 15 or 16, something on that age, Mm -hmm. um, she was given a credit card. So she said what typically happens is when they get to a certain age and they go off to be married, their credit score is close to, if not, like you said, 850. So when it's time for them to get married and buy a house, they have little you know what I'm saying, little issues with getting anything done because the finances was handled or whatever. So yeah. when you see different cultures and they're driving all these expensive cars, that's because their parents, from the young age, they're building up their credit. And not even that, and this is the one thing, and it's not a, I'm just going to address it. I think black people are the only race that put their kids out of their house at 18. That's the craziest thing to me. I was talking to um, one of my friends. He's Chaldean or Arab. I'm not sure which one. But he even said that, like, we don't do that. He like, as, until you're married or until you, can, you know, they don't do that. And, and they keep all the, the money and the pot in the house. And that, that allows them to save and have money yep. when it's time for them to move out. Yep. Because they don't put their kids out at 18. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. I I used to my whole life pretty much, um, you know, for my adult life. Um, I was an armor bearer, so I used to serve, you know, pastors, you know, huge well-known pastors and stuff like that. Uh, I had to go to the airport to pick up this pastor, and you know, on the way back, you know, drive him to the, you know, to his hotel and then to the church. We were just having like conversations, and because he's a male. And he was coming to speak to the youth. He wanted one of the youth to, you know, armor bear him. So I brought my um, my son to be his armor bearer. And at the time, my son had just produced a cookbook. So we were in a car talking and stuff like that. And, you know, um, my son told him about the cookbook because he asked him, he said, well, what, what are you doing? You know, what do you have a business? What do you know? He's Caucasian. So he was talking to my son and stuff like that. And then he turned around and he said, well, Mom, you know, when they get a certain age, what are they going to do? So I'm asking my son. I said, well, you know, tell Pastor what, you know, what you're going to do. And I said, well, I can't wait till they get out. And that disturbed his spirit so much. He turned around and he said, you know, African-American people are the only people that put their kids out when they get 18. And we and are. Instantly, I was like, I said, because, you know, we're tired. We want them to go on. He said, he said, no other culture does that. No other culture. He said, that's a pet peeve of mine. He said, if you don't learn nothing from me during the time I'm here, you know, during this conference, he said, promise me when your sons get 18, you won't put them out. He said, can you imagine being put out and not really knowing how to navigate this world? You know, he said it's grown people still trying to figure out this world. And you're going to put an 18-year-old out like they know what to do? And then he, you know, he went on to, you know, explain that 
the things that children still need, you know, um, mentally they're not, um, they're not capable of. But you know what? I, I agree and disagree, and I'm going to say this to that extent, because um, when I was going off to college, it was like uh, my mom made some decisions for me that I, in hindsight were the best decisions of my life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Wayne State, and she was like, no. You, no. And I said, why not? Because in my mind, I'm going to college. And I had a little boyfriend back home. She's like, <laughs> no. She said, you're not going to learn yourself. It's going to be just like you going back to Cooley because you're going to still be in my house. You're going to still get up. Mm-hmm. You're going to still do the same things that you were doing in high school. You're just in college now. She's, you're not going to become Keisha if you stay here in my house. Right. And go to school. You're not going to grow. You're not going to learn time management. You're not going to. That's true. Discipline and, and discipline. Yeah. And, and I looked at it like. In hindsight now, it was like best decision But ever. see, that's a different thing when they're pushing you off to go to college because that's going to develop you. You know what I'm saying? That's going to teach you a whole yeah. lot of stuff versus pushing you out and kicking you out. Well, you got to have an apartment on this day since you're not going to school. No, my mom was, doesn't work. She was Michigan and I'm a mama's girl. I, I am definitely a mother's girl. Um, it was like Michigan State. I had cousins there. It's up the street. She can come. Like my mom met my professor's. Went to Faith the Funk, keeping the, anything I had on campus that I was a part of. My mom came and supported football games. So it, was, it worked out great. And I learned myself at the same time. And then another thing my mom taught me, and it's different now because HBCUs are more prevalent and mm-hmm. known than they were when I was coming out of school. I wanted to go to Spelman. Got in, everything. My mom was like, no. I wanted to go to Wilberforce. She was like, no. Yeah, I got and into I, Spelman and didn't go. I, and I couldn't Regret. see it. I couldn't see it at the time, but again, it was one of those decisions that I felt like was the best decision for me because she's like, you went to elementary school with all black people, you went to middle school, Cooley, with all black people. Corporate America is not going to be all black people. Listen. And in hindsight, I had friends who did, like, went the black path all through school, then they went to go work at Kimberly Clark, and they couldn't deal with the white people because they had never had to work with them or engage with them. And, And... I mean, let's be honest. They got some ways that you you got to get used to working yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. It's the, that Karen mm-hmm. syndrome, mm-hmm. and I mean that's been out for a while, and it's more prevalent now. But it was just the exposing me to the diversity. And I tell and my you, my friends tell, crack up calling that you go to a PW. You went to a PWI. PWI, I, I yep. And that's but why the, I, I've I've been at a PWI since I've been in high school. Well, high school was it was mixture, but it was a Catholic school, so we had all. Caucasian teachers and, you know, well, fathers and sisters. And then I didn't realize until a year ago, I'm going over my transcripts and stuff like that, and then the light bulb came on. I'm like, I didn't realize I have been at a PWI Catholic private school all my schooling. You know, the only maybe two, maybe two or three African Americans in the class at a time, but at the end of the class, I'm always the last one standing. Yeah, and, but, and that's why I tell people, I said, and they get, because date, I've dated people that went to HBCUs, and I was like, it's harder for us actually at a PWI because. So much harder. I'm going to say why it's harder because when, if it's a class full of 500 people and it's five black people, when they don't see them five black faces, mm-hmm. they know you missing. Yeah. If it's 50 people, they know you missing. When uh, English major, my teacher could tell my writing style was different from everybody else without even looking at my name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the way we think, the culture we bring up, the things we surrounded ourselves with are totally different. So he told me, he was like, I don't even have to look at your name. I know your writing style. And that was a nice way of saying it. You, exactly. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
And but again, it was a, a great opportunity for me to learn about their culture. Absolutely. And how they operate. Like they like the party. They don't, they ain't tripping. Bring just come. Black people twenty dollars to get in. They like just come. Yeah. So I just, remember being in class and coming in, and we were the first class, whatever, and it was only three of us. And you look around and you like, I know you lying. So every time a black person come in, it's like, you know, <laughs> come sit next to me. And, and, I, and I was and, the total opposite. I didn't want to be around. I ain't gonna say that. Not be around. No, but this is my first class. I'm in there with all white folks. And I, I liked it though because I liked it. But let, let I, me tell you, three of us. So we sitting there. My professor. I. I mean. We had sisters, we had fathers, and when they would teach us, they would walk up the aisles and look over your shoulder and be like, mm, no, that's not right. I need you to redo that. So you know you got used to that. This professor walk in, he writes his name, doctors, you know, whatever on the, on the board. He has this high chair. He sits up there. He leans back. He crosses his leg, put his leg on the desk, and just start talking. So it's like, oh, do we take notes? And like he like just talking, then he said, "You may want to take notes." <laughs> and we're looking at each other like, "What the hell is he talking about?" And all the Caucasian people were excited, their eyes, because they knew exactly what he was saying, and it went over our head. And at the end, we was like, "Okay, we need to talk to this man." So you know, of course, I'm the one. Yeah. That, you know, I said, "Listen, I don't know where they were taught. We didn't learn none of this." You know, so can you talk a little bit slower or do you mind us taping the course? Oh, yeah, or you can just make an appointment and we can go over it again in my office. And I'm like, this is about to be difficult. Well, next two classes, I look up, I'm the only one. They dropped out. They dropped out. But what I tell young people all the time, when you go to college, don't run towards the, and and this is not a dig at us. Don't just run towards the African-American people. Network, get yourself in some different study groups and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, like I told them, when it's time to do interns, those kids are connected. Their mothers are doctors, lawyers, you know, surgeons and engineers. Listen, I tell anybody in a heartbeat. Oh, my dad can get you in? Michigan State alumni, not even just Michigan State black alumni, because I do the black alumni too, but just the Michigan State alumni connection and network has been so phenomenal for me. Like, I could mm-hmm. be in Atlanta, Dallas, California, New York. I'd have been in Pittsburgh. And the network, if I were to Michigan State, it's like, go green. And we start talking. And it's, it's Chris went to Michigan State. You know what I'm saying? It's Like you said, you meet lawyers, doctors, mm-hmm. people who are future in, in college who might be just a regular student like you. Now one of my, my homeboys from college is a judge down in 36th District. Like, it's just the people you meet in your network that Different are just caliber. Yeah, they become grow up to become somebody. Like you, it just increases your network on both sides, mm-hmm. from black to white to everything in between. I still talk to people from different races from college. So it's, listen, what we want to do is we want to take a break and take and watch a video um, of um, our own co, you know, host Dro. We ain't gonna do it. It's already on there. Oh, is it on there? Okay, well then, scratch that. 
we're gonna do it next week okay so let's let's jump into when when you're sitting down with a college um not a, a high school student and they ask you what is credit what do you tell them you know what i do i don't let them ask me i ask them okay and i ask them that first anytime i ever go speak especially to young people I like to know what they already know. And honestly, you'll be surprised what some of them already know. Every time I go speak, I open the floor to see what they know first. And then it, it helps to have them bounce it off other other peers. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they want to be like, I know this, I know that. And they're learning and it's engaging. What you, I realize with young people is you can't lecture and preach to them. And that's why I call it credit and conversation because it's truly a conversation. It's just not me talking to you. Okay. You have to make them included in the conversation. I'll ask the question like, well, how much percentage of your FICO score is on time payment? After I've broken down to them, what, what's the difference is? I want them to tell me what they heard. You have to engage young people. And that's one thing that people don't realize. You can't just lecture at them. You have to have a conversation. You have to make it relatable to them. Even as a, I'll say, what can you get? What can you get with good credit? First thing they say, a nice car, a nice house. So they know that these things require good credit, mm -hmm. and they want to obtain them. So that really puts in their mindset to do things to have good credit. Okay. So that that's probably my biggest questions. What is what are some other purposes of you know having good credit? Job, some jobs require, most apartments require, where apartment, unless you're in the hood, hood. Apartment or in the house. You, you, you need it to somewhere to stay. You know what I'm saying? So that is what I like to engage them with because I want them to see what they know. So I'll even say something like, um, do you know the difference between a charge card and a credit card or a checkbook? Like even my book covers all of those different things, not just credit. Mm -hmm. It teaches them about uh, how to sign a check although most people aren't using them that anymore it's just breaking down things in the simplest form I still use my checking <laughs> but just Every letting, blue moon. yeah just letting them know the difference between the charge card and the credit card i mean the the simplest form of it is the best thing for high school students so and if if you're looking at your credit like say for instance you pull your um your equifax and you look it on there and you say wait a minute i didn't have that I didn't. What do you do? I'm gonna tell you the craziest thing. I was doing one with a high school student, and he was like, he had just turned 18. This was like a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, he had a bunch of stuff on his credit. He had pulled it for the first time. Mama. His mama pulled, put stuff in his name as a child, and you have to dispute it. Dispute it. Federal FCRA 609 dispute letters. Look mm -hmm. it up. 609. Mm -hmm. And. It's crazy because a lot of parents put their kids in a situation to fail. That's sad. Instead of succeed. They'll put their child in a situation. Cell phone bills. In, in the kids' names. Like you're setting bills. your child up for failure mm -hmm. because you failed already and your bills are being disciplined. Now you're going to put your child in the same position. Now they have to go clean up and dispute stuff at 18 and it becomes frustrating. Yeah. If, I'm, if I just say you are trying to move out the house at 18, you put your, son, your child in a situation where they can't move out until you clear up, they clear up everything you put on their credit. And then at the same time, it's putting you in a situation where sometimes to get it off your credit report for the fraud, they're going to have to prosecute your mama. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's a hard... I was watching Judge Mathis about some months ago, and he had a case on there where the young lady went to go... Um, she wanted to buy a house. Um, she got married, and she went to go buy a house, pulled her credit, and realized she had all kind of stuff on her TRW and found out that her mom had did it. 
and she was looking to a prosecutor. She was like, it's just not right. She said, I can't do anything. I can't live a life. She said, I've been, you know, disciplined. I made sure my stuff was paid on time, and I can't do anything because you put stuff on my name and got credit cards and didn't pay it. Um, I felt so bad for her because she was, like, bawling in tears, you know, because you could tell it hurted her that she had to make a, a choice, you know, to prosecute her mom or go through the process of her and her, you know, her new husband paying off that bill. So I have credit card. I have had fraud, not just credit card fraud, but fraud done to me twice. One time I was in college, my ex-fiance, his, um, his oh, one of his friends did it or his girlfriend, and um, they paid for a wedding, bought furniture. I mean, furnished the whole house off my credit report, and I probably was like 19, 20. And I didn't even know they did it. They started writing checks through the government or something through the post office. The post office, the the uh, U.S. post office police officers came, to, came up to East Lansing, where I'm at Michigan State, came and got me because of the what? checks. And literally really thing to bother me she was from a affluent family out in west bluefield and they were trying to get me to drop it i literally had to write my name a thousand times and the crazy part is everything they signed wasn't even spelled my name wasn't spelled correctly they spelled my you they spelled my name wrong but i literally had to just constantly sign my name a thousand times to prove that it wasn't me so the stress of having to even go through that Mm -hmm. getting to take it off having to go to court People don't think about those type of things when they do fraud. Because now I got to prove that it wasn't me. I don't care who it was, but it wasn't me. How long does it take to, um, how long, how long does it take to get something like that taken off your, your credit? It took me a while. Uh, with the fraud, um, I had to go to the court process. They had to go to court. I was literally coming down here going to court in West Bloomfield on Telegraph because they did most of the the, the scamming in West mm-hmm. Bloomfield. And their parents come into court looking at me mad because I'm pressing charges. What the heck I'm supposed to do? You should have told your daughter not to steal. Whatever she needed, you didn't provide, and I got to go through this headache. Wow. So, so when you you were just talking about um, using the boost, what are the what are some of the things that you can boost to boost your credit up? Um, you can do your Netflix, your Hulu. If you're using a debit card, um, any of your utility bills, um, you can use that with Boost. Now, and will they report late um, late payment? Oh, and, it's not like, okay. And then another thing people don't know is, I mean, it's a charge for it, but rent reporters and rental karma. Um, now, is a, that a good thing? Yeah, because, um, let me say, it works both ways. So, um, if you're trying to buy a house, it could hurt your debt-to-income ratio. But if you're not, you just want to have a high score, or you have, like, a car you're trying to obtain, because most places want you to have a 650 for a good APR. You can get a car with, like, a 4-something or a 5, but for a good APR, 650. But that 4-something, you got to have a co-signer. It depends on the dealership, because it's it's credit acceptance. Is taking everybody. Okay. But you, but you go ahead and have high interest rate. Yeah, you're going to have a high. Yeah. You're going to be, like, 40% percent percent messing 40? with credit acceptance. Yeah. But... um. It's so these B lots, C lots, they'll take you, but you probably gonna have to get them five thousand dollars down for a nineteen eighty seven. And you'll pay 
maybe twice for that motherfucker. Yeah, you you paying like literally twice over for it. So debt to um, income ratio. Tell us what that means. How much debt you have and how much income you have. So like say. Um, so put it in a scenario where if you're buying a house. So if you're buying a house, say you have one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in student loan debt. You have ten or fifteen thousand in credit cards. Um, you might have a regular loan out for ten thousand, and you only make a hundred thousand. They're looking at how much you make, which is a hundred thousand, mm -hmm. but you have a debt of already a hundred and fifty. Mm -hmm. So that's how much you owe somebody else. So how much you have versus how much you owe is pretty much what the debt to income ratio is. So if you already and that has to be um, at what percentage? That I don't know. That's a mortgage person question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mortgage question. But that's a, that's what they do look at. And then a lot of people don't know when they do look at debt to income ratio. When because a lot of people are trying to buy houses with the credit. I'm just being honest. Um, a lot of people will have student loans and they'll go put them in deferment or forgiveness. And when they pull your credit, most mortgage companies are still going to include that debt because you're you only you're paying zero. So it still shows that you owe it versus if you put it um, on a payment plan, income-driven plan, and you pay them $100, now all they see is that $100 a month in your debt-to-income versus that whole 125 because you made right. that agreement. Another thing I want to tell... I just learned that two weeks ago. Another <laughs> thing I want to tell people is everybody be like, oh, I just closed that card, or I just closed this. Oh, if no. you didn't have that card for 10 years, 15 years, what, however long, your, prob your score is probably going to drop drastically yeah so that's another thing even with consolidating student loans if you have like a student loan that's been on your student loan report for like 10 15 20 years and you might only owe a thousand dollars but you got a bunch of loans because a lot of the times when we were in college they gave you like quick 1500 2000 small loans if you're going to consolidate keep that one loan at least one loan that's the least amount that you have for a long period of time mm -hmm. on your credit report and don't consolidate that one loan because if you do consolidate it's going to show um you lose in a, the history category okay. the time the length of credit and the length of credit people don't understand it it's, it's a small percentage it's 15 but when you're not getting points if you're not on time already and you don't have a good mix of credit the easiest thing to do is at least keep the history part of it up. Keep the middle. The things that are easy to obtain to get your score at least at least 100 points, if you can maintain them easily, is making sure you have a good mix. Okay. No hard increase. Anything over six is going to affect your score. And another thing people don't know is when you go get a car or a house or an apartment, anything for the same uh, inquiry, like for say, we go to car dealership, they're going to run your credit more than most likely. If GMAC didn't approve you, they're going to run it through six or seven different banks mm -hmm. on the same day. Only one can stick on your credit report. You can call them, and I, I suggest trying to get someone that speaks English, <laughs> just being honest, and you can get it taken off. Only one can stay. Is that the or, same for a house? Same for a house, car, everything like that within 45 days. Um, but only one can stay. And then you can also write a letter to them. If anybody is disputing, I strongly suggest I personally do not dispute online. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Two reasons. By law, they have 30 days to respond. You really don't have a date and time step unless you're out here taking a picture. And they might think you Photoshopped that. Yeah. You know? So send your letter certified mail. Yeah. Next thing is, say it's a company that you, you're disputing on your credit report and they go into arbitration, they do a class action lawsuit, 
you forfeit any money. So say, like I've had it happen to me. A company was suing me a few years ago, um, and they got a class action lawsuit against them for what they were doing, their debt practices. They sent everybody a check. Had I disputed that online, I wouldn't have got that check. Okay. So that's another thing people don't know. When you would be saying dispute online, yeah, but then you take, if, if a class action lawsuit happens, you're getting nothing. I went through this program um, some years ago, and they give you this thick <coughs> workbook or whatever, and in there they already like write the letters out, you know, if you want to dispute, um, it tells you step by step how to dispute stuff. And that's one of the things they told you, um, write the letter, you know. And they give you what the words say. Yeah. You're just putting in your name and you're putting in the okay. the, um, the number. All the information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So know. quick plug for myself. If you go to creditinconversation.com, you can purchase uh, my book. It's a link to purchase my book, or you can also go to my online store on Teachable. I do have a do-it-yourself uh, credit repair, and I also have an online course, and all of my courses include a workbook, a PowerPoint presentation, and quizzes. Um, so all of that is available on my website, Credit. How much and, is that? Uh, do-it-yourself, 179 Now, do you have um, prices for, like, groups? Like, if you get a group of people and you want to come in and... You want me to? You want to do me to do a seminar or a workshop? Um, yeah. Or just work with those, you know, maybe like five people, and those five people wanna. What I've been doing is, um, like, say you planning it, and me and you may come up with a rate, and then you can charge whatever you want to charge to the people. Okay. As long as I get my money. Get, yeah. Okay. Or I'll just come in and speak to the group as a whole, and then anyone that wants to do individual consultation. Then I charge for that. So with I, I and I'll be honest with credit repair for me at least, I require a one-on-one -on -one educational consultation before I start doing your credit. I won't touch your credit until we've had a conversation, because I don't want to put you in a position where six months later all I did was dispute and write letters for you and you learned nothing. Because you back in the same. And then you back, and a lot of places do that because they, do. they they're going to make you repeat customer because you haven't learned nothing. You're just happy it's off your credit report. Whereas for me, I'm going to teach it to you so if it happens again, you don't have to come back to me. You know it. Okay. Or you can share the, wealth, the knowledge with somebody else. Mm. But I definitely, definitely, I'm so big on the education literacy part of it. I won't touch your stuff without it. You now can give me the money and I, I won't do it. Have until you thought about um, maybe tapping in with Dr. Beatty? And Who's Dr. Beatty? Dr. Oh. Beatty is the superintendent oh. for Detroit Public Schools um, and doing the different I've done some with different schools separately okay. in different programs, but no coming on DPS. Yeah, I know. They, they pay and all that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and for me, minute. I'm going to be honest. Um, I'm just... But even with the principals and stuff like that, a lot of the principals um, have what we call petty cash. So they can pay people to come in, you know, to do certain things at their school. Or some schools have parent um, connect or parent um, programs where they can do fundraisers to come in, you know, to bring someone in. Um, I have no problem doing it. I'm absolutely open to it. I love to do it. I, I like talking to kids or young adults, um, teenagers. But it just, I'm open to it. It's just more about the school. Have you ever connected with um, Gail Perry Mason? We actually did one of my first workshops I did um, when I first started. 
we did a workshop together in 2019 at for Google. Actually, okay. Iron Southfield at the Google headquarters here. We actually did a workshop together. She was like the first work. No, the, she was the first workshop because before that, um, I was thinking a lot. But the first workshop I did with, for Google employees was with Gail. Yeah. She is such a sweetheart. Um, I had a conference, um, a singles conference, and um, we had workshops and stuff like that. And she came and did a workshop for the um, singles. Yes, yeah, her energy is amazing. It's She's so honest. On a thousand. You know I what I've, I've learned in business and um, dealing with people and speaking and all this stuff that I do, the networks I'm in, the most successful people are the people who are real and don't, don't have what they got to say. They're going to tell you how they feel. Yeah. And people are attracted to that. Yeah. People, people who are winning will say what they got to say, and either you like it or you don't like it. Yeah, they don't have and nothing to prove to nobody. They don't have nothing to prove. Some people are so pressed to be liked and want to be seen, and they don't, you have no substance. But these women that like Tashana and Andrea and Gail, like the women that I see who are really doing it are transparent. Yeah. They are Fair. authentically them. And that's what brings people to gravitate to you because you don't want to be somebody else. You're not trying to play to be this boss chick, and you really not. Yeah. Like, you. So in this social media age, so many people try to pretend to make themselves somebody that they're not. You can tell oh, a person that has, what I say, uh, high vibration. Mm -hmm. it, that you just gravitate to them because it's just the authentic energy. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love being around. I learned from... It's amazing in my life. I have God has always placed me in places where I'm always around... People like high powered people or whatever. My godmother is she's apostle or pastor and she's always told me, Don't think it's strange and don't take it for granted the reason why God places you in certain rooms. And I used to be like, huh? She one time she um um came and picked me up and she was like, Come with me so I can go get, you know, your sister from baseball. You know, they had a party or whatever. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to tell my godmother no. So we pull up in this neighborhood. We're just driving. And the driveway was so long. The house was, and I'm like, who live here? She was like, the coach. I said, the coach live here? I, I had no clue. We were at the house of um, Gordon Foods. That house was amazing. We went in there, and he's just showing me stuff. And he, a regular person, you know, the family, a regular person, just talking and stuff like that. You know, they, they drop nuggets and, you know, and, and it's, it's, I love people like that, that's willing to drop, yeah. drop nuggets and, you know, hey, if you need my assistance, I'm here. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, when you get around those type of people, you know, um, Gail invited me to her house. She was having something at her house or whatever um, around Thanksgiving. And when you walk in the room and all the people that are in the room, people that have businesses, you know, that's just, and they just as n normal. normal, sit and have a conversation with you. And they always make you want to come up. You know what I'm saying? And whatever you're doing. And that's how, I, I promise you, 
I'm looking at Tashana. She done work with the governor, Joe Biden, got her, her profile pictures with Joe Biden. She's like connected. And you know what she said to me? She I met her at the uh the LEEC Women's Conference and she literally took me under her wing. Like she like Keisha, you don't even gotta go into the school system. What I'm about to do for you on a political standpoint and put you on a bigger platform, she's like, I'm gonna pour into you. I'm gonna help you win and her energy. But she'll get you, she she gonna say what she wanna say. But she has no problem bringing another woman up. And she's in circles I probably could never touch. I wouldn't have never. This lady that was there today, Congressional Black Caucus, like the National, I would have never met those people. They yeah, have some political yeah. power where they they making policies and they can get my books into bigger schools and bigger platforms than I could have imagined. That's so true. So. That's true. I always tell people, like, even for me, it's like when people be like, oh, you a boss or you do this, I'm not nowhere where God has me. And that's just how I feel about it. Like, I'm going to continue to bless people. But, and I always tell people, I'm transparently me, don't let this business shit fool you. Yeah. I did go to Cooley. (laughs) (laughs) What what year did you go to Cooley? I came out in 98. Okay. That's why I say, and I tell people, and I'm so transparent, like they be thinking I'm stuck up or something. Oh, you went to college. You look all, you're a girly girl. Don't, no. I went I just to Cooley grew, in. I grew up a little bit. I mean, I grew, growth, growth got me here. 80, I went to Cooley in 87, 8, 88. I, my, my whole family went to Cooley. My uncles, you know, came out in 89, 88, 91. But it's just, you have to be okay with, I, I literally go hang out in the trap or I can go sit with the people with their pinky toe, pinkies out. I just, you have to be you in every circle. And a lot of people try to go in different circles and try to be somebody you're not being you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because either they're going to like you or you don't. That's true. You, you, and on, listen, I tell people all the time, you not liking me did not change my bank account. And nine times out of ten, it increased it. But you definitely didn't make it go down. Yeah. I, I promise it didn't. So yeah. people just got to look at stuff like that, like, Stop looking for validation from other people when you ain't mm-hmm. valid yourself. You, you. So most true. people don't even know they self enough. So, did you, you can't be mad for somebody not liking you when you don't even know who you are yourself for them not to like, know nothing about you to like. That's true. So that's true. I'm just, I'm all off subject, but I like it though. <laughs> I like it. It's just you, we all have to just literally sit and think. Like most of most people, men and women alike don't heal so then even for myself if you don't heal you're gonna continue to bring that cycle onto every person you meet and every person like i told one guy i was dating before i said you trying to trauma bond because you know my grandfather has alzheimer's he experienced his grandma death and we ain't about to be trauma bonding over me going through with my granddaddy and you going no i don't like you right (laughs) i'm not trying to sit in the room and he's trying to bond because you you going through something, yeah. and he went through it. And, and people just yeah. be, they, they trauma bond, and they, they, it's just weird. This social media age, some days I be like, yes, because I definitely, social media has been great for me. It, it gave me a platform. It helps me keep the bag. It helps me network. But some days I be like, oh, my God, because I know some of these people real real life, it's like, why are you putting on this shit, on, this stuff on Facebook, and we know this ain't you? Right. Like, who are you putting on for? Because the people who really know you know that you ain't that. When you um, have people that, as per se, like up under your wing and stuff like that, or people that um, I always say um, or like to use the word, people that are gleaming from you, do you find that a lot of those individuals are coachable um, or they just want it done for them? 
Both. I'm going to tell you, it was crazy. So, um, for me, I separate my friends. Okay. I have business besties. I have people I travel with. I have my hangout people. I have my friends that I just really do the spiritual stuff with, and we pray and talk about God together. Then I have my, I might, I have one friend that's all of those friends in one. Okay. And, um, my, when I see something, I can see something in somebody when they got a power and a gift and they might be holding themselves back or they just don't know how to flourish in their gift, I'm going to try to take you under and introduce you to things and put, help you step out on faith. If I can help you, I can write your business plan. If I can get your LLC, your S-Corp, your any nonprofit set up, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to charge you because I believe in you that much. I want you to stop saying that, but okay. Because sometimes, <laughs> and this is like... And, some, and I get it. You know, no, I and mean, this is, it's a blessing and being a blessing. It is. And, and sometimes... It is. People don't have the money to start, and they'll be, they don't have the money to start the business or pay for the stuff, and all they need is somebody to help them start it. And if I, I can help you. Let me you, tell you what, I, what I've learned. If I can um, help you, I'm going to help you. I've always put myself to the back burner um, because I've always been a blessing to people. And some people are master manipulators. They never have to be a blessing to you, but they always want to, you know what I'm saying, take from you. So I get what you're saying because I'm, I'm definitely blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, but, but you, you know, have you, to know those people that really need your assistance or people that's just getting over on you. And this is my thing. When you do something for somebody, at least for me, I'm not expecting nothing in return. So whether you manipulate me or you don't have an agenda or you, you, you're doing it because you need me, whatever the case may be, or I can be a blessing to you, I'm not looking for nothing in return. Mm-hmm. It's a, I, I'm, I'm, at this point, I can do a business and a, and a business plan in the back of my sleep. So it's not really hurting me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I'm at home chilling, it takes me maybe 10 minutes to sign, to get somebody LLC done on, online, write the paperwork, write, write the articles in corporation, the mission statement. It takes me top so, 15 So minutes. say, for so, instance, example, me. You're coaching me. And then you say, okay, Carmen, this week I need you to do this, this, or this. I definitely give assignments. And then we come back to the date we're supposed to meet up, and I don't. So I'm, I'm going to give you a prime example. I'm dealing with somebody like that right now, right? So, and, and it's literally, I put notes in my phone, and I'll send them to them. I'm going to show you. Just I literally did this for somebody, right? Let me see my notes. I said, um, these are the things you need to do. Um, things for, for them to put your personal credit. Mm-hmm. You need to do this, you need to do that, call this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. If you ain't checked off and I come back to you in a week or two and you ain't did none of the things on this list, I know you're not serious. So I'm not going to waste my time no more. Okay. But I definitely give people a list. Like, okay. So what happens if the person is paying you? Until you Do serious, you put a time and, 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 and this is what I tell people. When I work with you, even if you're paying me, if I'm telling you to do something that I can't do for you for personal, private, per- yeah. privacy yeah. reasons, if you don't get it done, you slowing up your progress because I'm still, I'm not going to move into certain things are done in order. Okay. It's, it's just a flow for stuff for me. So the longer you take to do the part that you need to do, the longer it takes to get the process done. And you are, you determine how fast we're going to go if you don't finish an assignment or something I tell you to do. That's on you. Man. It's, it's the little things. Like, I always tell people, when I, I even when I start repair, this is going to be a partnership. You're going to have to do certain things I tell you to do. You're going to have to not do this, not do that. Don't get another credit card. How many credit cards do you suggest a person have? It's just up. To, honestly, it's it's totally up to the person. I think I may be at like nine or ten. Okay. It's just up to the person with in your level of discipline. 
how would you convince a person such as myself? I don't have no credit cards. I have vehicle, and I, I own my crib. Been owning my crib. It, it's, it was like it's like this for me. I got a credit card when I was like 18 years old. It was a Hudson's, I believe. Got that, fucked it up, paid it off. After that, I said I won't get no more credit cards. I'm more of a cash and carry type of individual. So how would you convince me to jump more so on a credit card, a credit side? It's certain stuff. Even like say you starting a business, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe whatever they want you to do, it may require that you have credit, your own personal credit. You have to be a personal guarantee. You might want to get a loan for a building eventually. Mm-hmm. And even though you got cash, you might the building might cost a million dollars. Right. Although you might have 75000 of it or the down payment, they're going to still want to see that you have good personal payment credit. Payment history and stuff. Your payment history. They want to see. Just um, even with, with, like, you might have to get a loan for your kid to go to school. I mean, some people do have money to pay for it. But if you don't have to pay for it, I mean, you might have to pay for it. You have to have the credit for certain things. Right. <coughs> Just okay. mostly because I, I know you're in business. Mm-hmm. So you, you really want to have your personal credit together. Because I've had people who uh, that didn't pay anything, I mean, paid everything cash. But at some point, they needed credit for something else. And mostly it's always for something with business. Right. See, I've, I've had, like, uh, my credit's smooth, but I haven't had anything maybe, like, in the last five, six, seven years. So you don't have no credit card? No credit card. So nine times out of ten, you're missing 160 points just from that. I would on 850. Because you... Even if you get a credit card with like $200. I was thinking about it. Like too. a secure card. And, and Credit and Conversation does offer secure cards as well. Do you? Yes, I do. Get it, girl. <laughs> but, yes. Get it. See, because that's, that's, I was more so on the business side as far as using my credit. You know, I don't really give a fuck about using it as far as personal, but as far as, on, like you said, getting a bill, get, getting a uh, building or some shit like that. Yeah, as far as that. Then you can convince me far as that, but anything, I, I, and, and anything I can read like, people. I could read that from you. You're a businessman, so mm-hmm. I knew that that would be the big seller for you. So I, I tell people, you have to read people too. Right. Most people don't even just observe. They come in and talk. I observe. Mm-hmm. My my parents have always told me, don't come in being the loudest person in the room, talking too much and wanting attention. Observe people and fill a room out. Right. I, and I mean, I've seen you a couple of times, so I, you know what I'm saying. But for business purposes, you you and it's like. Some uh, loans and some things with business, you don't have to be a personal guarantor for. But most of those things, mm-hmm. you you still want to have your business bank account in order. Okay. Even with some grants, you just have to have certain things in order. So, um, so if you have a business, you need to have a business account. account. Let's start with a business, business credit card. Um, not necessarily a credit card, but I would suggest one. But you definitely want to have um, your tax EIN. Okay. And I always tell people this before they start a business. Please, please, please look at your state attorney general's office as for, uh, in regards to the laws and policies that affect the business you're trying to start. Okay. Because some people will go and start a boutique and then try to say, oh, once you pay, you can't get a refund or you can't do that. No, by law, it's certain things that you have to do based on your state attorney general's office. Okay. So I always tell people, study the, the laws that pertain to the field that you're going in. Um, 
And then, because the, most people don't even know what, even with the CCRA, it's um, a, credit a credit law that protects consumers. Most people don't know when you sign an agreement with a credit repair company, by law, you have three days to get a refund if you change your mind instantaneously. Okay. By law, you have three days to get your money back. And most people don't even know that or don't see it in the contract. Like, Georgia, technically, by law, you're Wait, not wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. I heard you, but I didn't hear you. What? What you just said. Most people don't know. Most people don't know by law that they have. When you sign anything with any credit company for repair, okay. it's supposed to include that you have three days for a refund. Okay. Um, most people don't know that. And most people don't even know in states like Georgia, it's really illegal to credit repair. I just found that out. Yeah. A, a, a associate, a friend of mine, associate, got charged. Well, not getting charged. Well, no, he did. He had to go through court and stuff like that because he had a credit repair um, business and they made him pay all that money back. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know that. Check the state laws because everybody want to do credit repair but they learned a lot. You're just doing a, a CRM tool. So, and, and a lot of people don't know that the statute of limitations are different in each state. Like, I believe Mississippi is four years, where ours is seven years here in Michigan. That's ridiculous. Most people don't know it's Seven. The statute of limitation is the date of the last payment or the last contact. So, say you got a car mm -hmm. and it got it got told you, they refolded it in 2016, and you made payments in 2019, even though they took the car in 16 and you still made those payments. Your statute of limitation starts in 2019 when you made yep. the last payment. Yep. Or if the bill collector call you and you talk to them, you 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 have admitted to that debt. They, you admitted to that debt over the phone. Yeah. So. I'm, yeah, see, I'm learning a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a lot of stuff, and it's like, what? Yeah, because my one friend was just telling me the other day, she's like, yeah, they took my truck back in, like, 16. She was like, but she's answering their calls, and she, I said, well, you, it's the statute of limitations. Every time you had that call, every time you have a conversation, every time you make a payment or think about making a payment, you now have started your statute of limitations. They talk over. to you and say, make a payment arrangement, and yeah. you say, yeah, I can do that. It's, it's documented and the time <laughs> started. So this is my like, last geez. credit tip before I leave because a lot of I, I see this a lot. People will say, I paid off this debt or a collection, a closed account, and don't know why their score hasn't changed. Because you need to do a pay for delete. Before you make any payment on any closed account, any collection, any negative thing on your credit report, please ask them via phone or by email, or by uh, mail, make sure you have an agreement that says once you make that payment, it's removed from your credit report. That's good information. Like, you have to, because if not, it's going to stay on your credit report, and then you just pay them the money, and your score's still low. So, please, pay for delete. Don't let them tell you that they can't do it. Okay, if you can't do it, then I can't pay you. And trust me, they get paid by how many people they, commissioned by how many people they get to resolve their debt. That's true. But they're going to try not to to say we can't do it. Okay. And then sometimes you don't even have to ask them. Send them an email. Per our conversation, you said we can do this, 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 and this, and that yep. with this. I'd be happy to do that. Or another quick trip is when you get a cashier's check, when you make your payment to any credit card or any old debt that you have, put on there, pay for delete for account number, blah, 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 for Anthony Smith. Because if they cash if it, they can't it's, it, they're in agreement with it. They're in agreement. So if yeah. you cash it, you are in agreement. Take a picture. I always tell my sons, when you're sending in stuff like that, take a picture 
of the um, cashier's check, take a picture of, you know, the money order. So if it's cash, you have proof, you know, with the money order or the cashier check um, number. I take a picture of everything. And it's, you know everything. what I'm saying? So you know what? I am so glad you came and sat at the table with us. Thank you. I hope people learned something um, for people who will be doing the um, replay. Um, check out Keisha Carr on Facebook, you know. Um, and Crediting Conversation. And Conversation. <laughs> and it's a Crediting Conversation group on Facebook. I have a group. I have my business page. Please now feel free. Now I have to go and get in that group, too. <laughs> it's the group. Please go check out this book on Amazon. If you're looking to book me for a workshop, a seminar, a speaking engagement, a podcast, please contact me on social media or jcar. jcar at creditandconversation.com. Again, my email is jcar at creditandconversation.com. If you have a book or you're intending on purchasing a book, please feel free to email me, contact me by phone or social media. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have regarding the book. Listen, guys, this is my sister. This is my co-host for Respectfully Speaking on Fridays at 7 I am so elated that God allowed our paths to cross and that I am learning so much from her. You know, I, I like to think of myself as being, you know, smart. But um, I tell people all the time, when you don't know something and you got people in the room who do, just ask. Sometimes it's just good to just shut up and let them, you know, you glean from them. Mm -hmm. And this is my secret. I tell people my secret to success. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I like to be around women who are smarter than me. If you're the smartest person I in the like room, you're in the knowledge. wrong room. I love mm -hmm. to learn. You would never see me in a room and I'm the smartest person. Not at all. I, I, I definitely want to be around people who are doing bossier than me. They're more educated than me. It causes I, you to come it, up it, in your yeah. thinking. It causes it, you to come up in the things that you do. Like, today uh. you could just tell, it was just the the energy of the women like i learned so much about just women's history and yes. the things that black women have impacted in politics just being in that room i'm so excited just to hurry up and get home because i want to email um judge deborah you know i'm excited to email coming a young i told him i had a bone to pick with him um but he's so sweet though <laughs> I was just playing with them, but no, I, I'm serious about, you know, <laughs> you know, when I email a, po you know, a politician, I expect that answer and, you know, hold you accountable, you know, because I'm the same person that's rooting for you, that's trying to push people to the polls for you, you know, like I will be on November the 8th, you know, working the polls and stuff like that. Um, that's real big on my. Listen, on my, I, when I say I've done everything, so I, I worked for the Senate Democratic office in Lansing when I was in college and shortly after. And then recently, when Ralph Gobby was running for Congress, I was on his campaign committee, okay. and I did all of the volunteers. And it's just a different experience, just even having to get the, planning the meetings and going out to get the signatures and just everything. I, I commend people in politics. I commend it. It's a tough job, but guess what? At some point, just like credit, you got to learn this stuff. You have to learn this stuff. You have to learn who represents you. Yeah. You have to learn, you know what I'm saying, who's out here, you know, and if they're for you or against you. You know, a lot of times for us, and, and I'm going to say this, and it has nothing to do with um, credit and conversation, but we're big on name recognition, you know, and these people, 
get into office and don't do nothing for us. So you got to get around these, you know, politicians. You got to go out to the meetings, you know, rub shoulders with them, shake their hand, ask them questions, you know what I'm saying, so that you can learn, yes, you know, because a lot of stuff we're arguing and fussing and fighting for, a lot of times they can't do nothing because they don't have the power, you know. So, you know, like in I used to teach social studies fourth grade, you know, you got to know the, you know, the, the different branches and what each branch yeah you know, is responsible for what they do. Ain't no sense you going to a city council person, you know. Okay. Anyway. Last thing, and I'm about to be done. <laughs> but all my entrepreneurs, if you have children, please put your children on your business. Put them on their payroll. Wow. You, like my daughter, me and my daughter have a lip gloss company together. She's on my pay, She's on payroll. She's on the paperwork. She's under 18, so she has to go to she couldn't do it by herself. But please put your kids on. That when you're going out to speak, when you're going out to pop-up shop. You're the second person I heard wh- Whenever that. you're doing anything, bring your kids. Teach them the game. Ghost. <laughs> Teach them the game. Early. We done? Well, um. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um. Okay. Um. Joe, where can I find 